Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today there's a couple things we're going to talk about. Um, there's actually two stories that I want to get to today. Uh, both kind of, uh, well, well, the first one comes from John Wilner, who, as we always say on the podcast, covers the Pac-12 better than anybody else. You can find his stuff in the Mercury News. It's syndicated. I think it's like in the Denver Post, too, but it's basically everywhere. Um, but he put together uh, just some updated projections for the Pac-12 after spring camp. So we're going to uh, to to go through kind of what he had to say. Um, and then in the second half of the podcast, there's a similar story uh, from Friday that came out from uh, CBS. And this is Shayon Jayaraja. There we go. Shayon Jayaraja. Um, but but he had something similar. Um, but he called his Pac-12 spring football overreactions. Just has like one overreaction for each team. So I figured today would be a good day. Just kind of run through some of this Pac-12 stuff. Um, because it seems to be in the news a little bit. Uh, so where do we start? Uh, I guess we start with John Wilner. There's no news, no notes. I mean... It's it's been a minute since we've had some news. Who knows? Maybe something will come up pretty soon. Might as well just dig in, though. Like I said, starting here with what John Wilner had to say, um, and uh, you know, I I feel like we kind of summed up everything we need to know. Um, still picking Oregon and Utah as as the winners of the the two divisions, um, but he did say the margins are not as wide as they once were. Uh, so there's there's a little bit of a good sign. Um, but the, the way he formatted this was, first, I mean, there's just rankings in there, uh, but he included the best case and worst case scenarios. And we're not going to run through all of these because 
that would be excessive and also like there's a there's a paywall so you want to <laughs> you don't just want to read everything that he has to say um into the free podcast uh but um i will say this the north standings he has projected oregon one washington state two oregon state three uh washington four cal five and stanford six um no huge surprises in there I think we've talked about this a little bit before. I'm not so quick to buy into Oregon State. Um, just got to prove a little bit more. Like, I'm much easier for me to see Washington bouncing back than it is Oregon State continuing to be in the top half of the Pac-12. But who knows? Maybe the tides are turning. Maybe Jonathan Smith really is onto something up there. Um, but outside of that, I mean, not much for hot take. I mean, Washington State too, I guess, is also a little bit crazy. Um, but when you look at the rest of the competition, it adds up, right? Like Cal is a good defense. The offense has been pretty freaking bad. And then they have like the financial things that just kind of hang over that school like a cloud. Um, Stanford, um, we'll talk about Stanford a little bit more with Tanner McKee. Um, a weird amount of hype for Tanner McKee. Uh, I know that he was like a highly rated recruit, but you look around the internet at like the, the, whatever they call them, like way too early 2023 draft projections, Tanner McKee is seen as a first round draft pick. And again, like that, that surprises me a little bit. Um, if he is that guy though, I don't know how you're saying that Stanford finishes sixth here. Um, it, it, and maybe that's me just being stuck in like 2012 and saying, well, you have David Shaw. Like if David Shaw has a good quarterback, they're at least going to be middle of the pack, um, but we'll see. Um, we'll we'll see what that all looks like. I want to dig into the South just a little bit more, though. Um, like I said, Utah picked to finish number one. Um, best case scenario, first. Worst case, third. Same thing for USC, first or first to third, but they they're picked second there. Um, UCLA third, Arizona State fourth, Arizona fifth, and then Colorado in, in sixth at the bottom. Um, and here's here's what he had to say about Colorado. The roster depletion, combined with questions about the quarterbacks, made CU an easy pick for the bottom of the division. In fact, the Buffaloes won't escape the South Cellar without help. They need Arizona's recovery to stall unexpectedly and ASU season to implode. Otherwise, there isn't enough of anything to support a marked uptick in what we would describe as an important but not critical year for Coach Carl Durrell. Our strong sense is that 23 will be the make-or-break season for his tenure. Yeah, uh, um, there, there's a lot you can agree with in there. I mean, just starting with that last piece, 23, that's the make-or-break season for Carl Durrell. Totally. And, I mean, we kind of added on top of that uh, on this podcast. You know, you basically have two years to make a bowl game. If you make a bowl game this year but, but you miss out next year, you're still probably fine. Um, but that is kind of what it's shaping up to be is you've – You've got to find a way to get six wins in one of these two seasons for people to have any faith that you're actually going to build this program back up. Um, again, like there's there's tough circumstances, right? Coming in during the pandemic and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the, it's a lot of the roster turnover is delayed by a year. And, and there's all these other new things coming up at the same time. But, no, you're, you're this is a year where you're nearly starting on stable footing. You know, having so much offensive turnover in terms of the coaching staff, but then I mean, also with a little bit of the talent, um, that that makes things tough, right? Whenever you have a coaching change, you you wonder about you know the 
what's the new system going to look like? And more specifically, what's the new system going to look like in the beginning of the season? You know, are they going to blow a game that they typically win if they just had a little bit more carryover? And is that the difference between four and five wins or five and six wins? Who knows? Um, but with all these factors, it does seem like, and on top of that, the contract, right? Uh, this is this is going to be year three of a five-year contract, and that'd be pretty quick to pull the trigger after three years, given a bunch of the circumstances. Um, so, yeah, but that bottom part, this isn't the make-or-break year. No, uh, ne- next year will be, and I mean that's that's a long way away. You know, I kind of want to like talk about you know. If, if you do have the same amount of turnover and you wind up losing a bunch of this year's key contributors for next year, I mean, you, you don't get a pass for that at that point, right? Because you've been here for a couple of years, you have things solidified. Like at that point, it's easier to say, huh, that seems to be a trend. And that's not a trend that we necessarily want to see happen here. Um, but yeah, 2023 is the make or break. We th- we've thrown in the caveat. If you make a bowl game this year, which is, probably much less likely than in 2023 then maybe next year isn't so make or break although you would need at least five wins probably still um some of that other stuff roster depletion questions about the quarterbacks uh yeah can't argue without any of that um they need arizona's recovery to stall unexpectedly and asu season to implode I mean, one or the other, and you're in fifth place, but that's not really the goal. If you get to fourth place, then there's a chance you're getting that sixth win in a bowl game, right? Um, to 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 do anything that makes you even semi-relevant, though, you probably do need both those two things to happen. Again, I I seem to be in the minority when I look through a bunch of projections and how people are talking about the conference. Um, but Arizona, I think they did a lot of really good things, but I think all the really good things they did kind of just brought them back to that baseline level where it's like okay you're you're now going to at least be competitive in some games like you're you're now going to be um you know oof, two two wins in in nine pack 12 games you're going to be two and seven this season that's that's the kind of stuff that i see for arizona but other people are more high on them um, and yeah, they're, they're doing great with the rebuild, like they're bringing in good talent, all that sort of stuff. And so I, I guess I get it. It just seems like they were so far down in the gutter. that It's going to take at least one more year before they're you know, competing for bowl eligibility, for example. Um, with Arizona State, you know, that's one of the tougher teams to predict. But at this point, they've just lost so much talent um, that having them way down at the bottom seems likely now. You know, you look at the quarterback situation in particular. Going from Jaden Daniels to Emory Jones, that's a that's a that's a massive drop off in my opinion. But Emory Jones coming in from Florida, he is at least a competent quarterback. You know, if if the option is would you take Emory Jones or what Colorado has at quarterback, it would be tough to pass up Emory Jones. Um, still, you have that drop-off at quarterback. You have the drop-off at the other positions. But I still, I, I'm just having a, a stable quarterback. You know, the, the coaching staff, there's been all the drama. It's probably going to get totally flipped over after this season would be your guess. But 
there is at least some stability that you've had for a couple years now. Now, again, not total stability, but that basically doesn't exist in college football anyway. Um, so I do wonder if, if maybe with all this transfer stuff going on, we, we overweight your losses just a little bit too much. Um, and maybe, who knows, maybe that's the part of me that follows CU and needs that to be true for me to stay sane this fall. Um, but, you know, all three of these teams likely down in the bottom three. Uh, I, I agree with that. I, th- I think that that's probably the truth. I do think, though, that, you know, easy choice for CU to be picked last. I'm not sure it's an easy choice. Um, I, I think you probably need to keep Arizona State in front of CU, the more I think of it. Um, but but Arizona, again, I having watched them these last couple of years, it's tough to believe that they're ready to be a full step ahead of the, of the bottom of the conference, you know, to, to not be in that race for, for last place in the last week or two of the season. Um, but, but there's kind of stuff. And I guess I didn't say this part uh, with Colorado best case scenario, fourth place, worst case scenario, sixth. Realistically, that's probably not wrong. Um, you'd, you'd like to try to find a path, right? I think that with Utah and USC, not not locks to be one and two by any means, but really tough teams for CU to get in front of. Arizona, Arizona State, like I said, it's it's definitely in the cards. It's possible. Um, UCLA, that's that's kind of the swing team, right? If everything breaks right, could you get in front of UCLA? <sighs> we'll see. Um, the new defense is probably going to help them out. Um, it just. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, you know, what is his is a quarterback? Like, are we really convinced he's that much better than Emory Jones? Like, those are the kinds of questions that I'm having. But also, I mean, he cut down on the turnovers a little bit last year, and that was always the big issue for him. He is dynamic. He can extend plays with his legs, and, and that is very valuable in this sport. Um, and then you have Zach Charbonnet, an incredible running back. So I guess it would be really hard to see Colorado finishing in front of UCLA. Although I will say, when Colorado plays UCLA, I think they have a chance in that game. I do think they have a chance in that game. I and mean, we saw it last year. Like things are going all right. It's just they held on for the first what quarter and a half, and the, there were some mistakes in there, and then things kind of fell off, and and they fell behind. Um, I do think that with a coaching staff that can adjust a little bit on the fly, a little bit more experience out there, there. That game is is winnable, but surpassing UCLA in the South standings at the end of the year, I think it would just take a level of consistency that the Buffs don't have. And again, like UCLA, their their big question in my mind is always consistency. Like, can they just go in and win the games they should win, and then also give a run to USC and Utah and Oregon if they wind up pulling out a game or two there? Then who knows? Maybe they're up toward the top, um, but. The difference is like their their consistency is to hold serve at you know number three number two, whereas Colorado needs consistency to to kind of get up to four probably. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's most of my thoughts. No other real notes here. Um, Utah in front of USC, I do like that. I think that that's probably where I'm at right now. Um, Again, it's USC. They've, they've struggled so much. And while they, they upgraded a lot of positions, you know, going from Jackson Dart to Caleb Williams, that's an upgrade at quarterback. 
going from Clay Helton to uh, Lincoln Riley. Like, that's obviously an upgraded coach. But there is still some turnover. You wonder if there's some growing pains. On top of that, there's just, like, again, this bad luck, whatever you want to call it, that's, that's happened with USC where they haven't been able to break through. Can they really break through in one year because of those upgrades? It's possible, but, you know, it's like my thoughts on the Chargers. They they always find a way to screw something up, and that is such a trend at this point that I'm going to bet on them to screw it up until they prove me wrong, and then I'll back off and reevaluate. Um, same thing with USC here. It's like, yeah, if, if you go win the South this year, I'm cool betting on you to win the South until Lincoln Riley leaves in a decade or more. Um, but I'm gonna I'm willing to be wrong about this one first. Um, there we go. Uh, that's uh. That's basically it on on that stuff. Uh, before we get into the CBS article, and again, this is this next one is kind of overreactions to the spring, which I thought were pretty interesting. Um, before that, though, want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook does or makes so much of what we do here possible. I mentioned yesterday that I was on the DNVR Bets show. I went three and zero, and on top of that, we made that same game parlay. It hit. Uh, needed that Nathan McKinnon empty netter to do it, but he got it right at the end of the game, and we made a lot of money. Uh, so if you want to make money, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up, and you'll get an awesome offer. Uh, you bet $5 on any NBA playoff game, any team to win their next game, you'll get $150 in free bets if they do. It's promo code DNVR, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, want to tell you guys, about Escape Artist, uh, which you can go pick up from Lightshade Dispensary. Uh, Escape Artist is the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado. It prioritizes quality and consistency. There's ratios available in 1 to 1 and high ratio CBD 20 to 1. They have you covered. Uh, they always use the best materials and the best ingredients. Um, and uh, their 800-800 creams are the highest potency creams available. They penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort they are non-greasy non-staining fast absorbing and they take effect in 10 minutes or less but have benefits that last up to two to three hours they're available in rose and cedar black pepper they're founded and formulated by food and pharmaceutical scientists that believe in a brand that should truly exemplify the colorado lifestyle of a balanced wellness routine and they also have infused joints if you like those better uh, like I said, you can pick up all the Escape Artist products over at Colorado's premier dispensary, that's Lightshade, with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The new Barnum location is now open. Uh, it's, it's one block off of 6th and Federal. It's the biggest Lightshade store with specialty products that are not offered at other locations. And podcast listeners can get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DNVR at any Lightshade location. So shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. Okay, we're going to run through uh, these Pac-12 spring football overreactions from Shayon Jaraja. Um, Shayon Jaraja. There we go. Uh, there's one for every team. We're not going to dig too deep into all of them, um, but there are a couple, including the Colorado one, that we are going to spend some time on today. Um, alphabetical order, start at the top. Arizona, 
here here's the overreaction. The Wildcats will be college football's most improved team. You know, we, we already talked about this a little bit, um, but, you know, he, he talked about Jed Fish, um, you know, 1-11 last year, but a great offseason. Um, number two high school class in the Pac-12. I think part of that is because it's a pretty big class. Uh, bringing in the quarterback from Washington State, that's Jaden DeLora. Um, also names Jaden Cohen from UTEP as a big pickup. I don't, I don't know much about him. Um, so maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, I do think, I mean, most improved in the country. <sighs> I I get there's a lot of room to go, right? If you start at one win, all you got to do is get to like six. And, and, and the, the, the best thing that any seven-win team can do is match you. Um, but still, I think getting to six wins is, it's a big ask. I mean, this isn't a bowl team to me. Um, I'll just say I disagree. I disagree with that one. Uh, Arizona State, Herm Edwards is a goner. Uh, yeah, I, I will agree there. Um, may, not before the season, but after the season, maybe even during the season, he's probably gone. Um, he brings up they lost 17 scholarship players to the transfer portal. Yeah, it's. Uh, he surprised people with how well he did, right? I mean, for a couple, there was probably a solid 18-month stretch, maybe two years, where you looked at him and said, like, hey, things are looking good at Arizona State. They're trying the right direction. Then the scandal comes out, uh, disappointing last year. And Jaden Daniels, the fact that it's, what, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions from him last year is just wild for a player that talented. Things went off the rails. And on top of that, you got the NCAA breathing down your neck, um, which... Which means watch out in 2028 when they actually figure out what they're going to do about it. Um, but it does seem like they would have to really pull some magic from up their sleeve if they're if, if Herm Edwards and the staff is going to stick around. Um, yeah, which again, like it's possible. You know, I do think that there's a chance that we're we overrate the losses to the transfer portal because again, like 17 scholarship players is a lot. They, they lost a couple of their best players. Things aren't looking good. At the same time, though, I mean, typically teams do lose a lot of their good players every year in college football because the best ones typically wind up going to the NFL or, or most experienced ones run out of eligibility, whatever. I wonder if we overrate the losses to the transfer portal, but still, like, it's just so hard to look at what's happening there and say that Herm Edwards is going to be around. So, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, Cal, he says, Cal will have the Pac-12's best defense and worst offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I'll say I disagree. I'll say I disagree. Uh, just because the odds, like, it's 1-12, in 12, they're the best defense. 1-12, in 12, they're the worst offense. That's not something I'm going to bet on. Um, I will say that if if one of these things is right, I think worst offense is probably more likely. That's tough. only because, as he points out, they they lose some talent from the defensive side. Um, it will be a, a good defense, a solid defense. It's just that when you have teams like even losing Kayvon Thibodeau and a couple of those DBs, Oregon's going to be really good. Um, Utah is going to have a really good defense, and I think that those are just teams that. They're playing on a different level right now than a lot of teams in the Pac-12, and that includes Cal. Um, so we'll we'll disagree with best defense and worst offense at Cal. Colorado, should we save it for the end? Should we hit it now? Ah, we'll we'll, we'll hit it now, and we'll actually read this one. He said Colorado will be resetting again. 
Colorado added a handful of nice transfers, including Baylor receiver R.J. Sneed and Sam Houston running back Ramon Jefferson. Unfortunately, the Buffs lost far more talent, including star running back Jarek Broussard and receivers Levante Chenault and Brendan Rice. That won't help boost what was one of the worst offenses in the country in yards per play. Adding offensive coordinator Mike Sanford is a plus, but even he can't make up for the talent gaps. Darrell should receive some leeway for taking over during the pandemic, but progress has been slow. Uh, yeah, I mean, not wrong, right? And do we agree Carl Darrell will be resetting again? Like, yeah. that Yeah? <laughs> can't, can't argue with that. That doesn't seem like an overreaction. Like, you're losing a lot of your key pieces on both sides of the ball. Um, it, it does, I, I will say, it does... Oh, here's Ryan calling. I've got to pause this because they do this dumb thing on DMVR bets now. Okay, one sec. Okay, I'm back. Um, just so you know, if if you're listening to this quickly, put together a quick little parlay for the Rockies game tonight. Giants to win by at least two because they're playing the Rockies. Um, under nine and a half total runs. Brendan Rodgers to get a hit. Two strikeouts for Antonio Sensatella. Plus 575. Bet ten dollars, you'll turn that into sixty-seven fifty. It's a good deal, and it's gonna happen. So uh, there you go. But back to actually what we're talking about here. I hate that, like Nate Land, the loss of Nate Landman doesn't even come up here, because if if the point is Carl Durrell will be resetting again, well, who do you lose? Number one is Nate Landman. Number two is Carson Wells. You know, and then you, losing Jarek sucks, and Brendan sucks, and those corners suck, and there's a lot of things that suck. But the fact that you're saying they're resetting, and, and we've just gotten to this point in college football where you don't even mention the guys who graduate because that's just what we're used to. It's it's not different than having just like a really big graduating class, um, which again, you'd still just like to have a technically like a small class of people leaving. Um, but it does bother me that things are framed this way, and it's just a it's just where we are at this point in college football. You know, that's what everybody's talking about. Because, I mean, before, what did you even talk about in the offseason, right? Like, these are the storylines. Who's transferring? Who's leaving? Who's going? And because you're talking about these things, every time it comes up, you wind up saying it matters just a little bit more, right? And, and it matters just a little bit more. And it just gets ingrained a little bit more. So you get to the point where, if that's your, your talking point, if when, when you talk about Colorado, you talk about the transfers they lost because it's, you know... You know, you do that for two, three months over the course of the offseason. You get to the season, that's what everybody's going to be talking about. And what you would should, should really be talking about is the loss of Nate Landman and Carson Wells. You know, that's that's what's going to be toughest to stomach this season. Um, but that's a, a little side note. Uh, but, I mean, you've got to agree with the take, right? Colorado will, or Carl Durrell will be resetting again? Yes. And that's not even, that doesn't seem like an overreaction, but... It is what it is. Um, Oregon. The Ducks will live and die with Bo Nix. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, you'll lose your running backs, um, lose a couple pieces on that defense. It'll still be a really good defense. But, yeah, when it comes to that offense, it's it's is Bo Nix that guy? Like, is he the best quarterback in the Pac-12? Is he top half? Does he wind up being top three? I mean, that'd probably be where i peg him, right? If you're just trying to put all this together. The Tanner McKee hype might throw some things off, but... To me, you know, Caleb Williams at USC, that's number one. Then you wind up talking about, you know, DTR is in that next conversation. I mean, Bo Nix is in that next conversation. Tanner McKee, I guess, probably edges him out. Um, but, but you know, if he does wind up to, 
or if he does take a step because he does have some of that mobility like he he can play stylistically very similarly to Justin Herbert um it's just being as sharp as Herbert was that's going to be the big question and if, if he comes close to that then the sky's the limit and even if he he isn't that guy even if he's a top 5 quarterback they still should be good enough to be competing for the Pac-12 North um Oregon State the defense is back a um, lot of talk about the new defensive coordinator took over after the CU game. Crazy that the Buffs got multiple coaches fired last year. Um, but Trent Bray is, I mean, they point out, 39-year-old star in the making. Seems a little bit bold. <sighs> like, it's tough. The defense is back. Back to what? Like, back to being the top defense in the Pac-12? No, no. Back to being, like, a, a good defense for Oregon State? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, but again, how good is that defense then? Like, yeah, top five, top four, you know? It's, it's very, it's good. It's not competing with Oregon or Utah, though. Uh, Stanford, Tanner McKee will drag the Cardinal back to competitiveness. This is a tough one for me. I do think the Cardinal will be competitive. I think that that's a bowl team. Um, maybe not by a wide margin, but I do think they get that sixth win. Tanner McKee drags them there. Getting into semantics. Yeah, we'll give it to him. We'll give it to him. He'll, he'll make a couple plays in some big games. We'll, we'll say, yes, he does drag them to competitiveness. Um, UCLA, Zach Charbonnet will be the Pac-12's leading rusher. <sighs> I, I think I like it. Um, with, especially with Britton Brown gone. I guess that's, that's kind of the big piece here. Is that if he really is just the bell cow, they're riding him. I think I think it could happen, especially because you just look around and most places are going to be splitting carries, and there will be a number two back there. Um, but with Charbonnet ranting how he did last year, especially toward the end of the, eh, there were some good games early. On. I mean that LSU game, um, he was great. But I think that's fair. I think it's fair to say that he uh, he'll lead the Pac-12 in rushing. Yeah, I mean I'm not getting any names that come to mind that make me think that's not going to happen. Um, two left, USC. The Trojans are making the college football playoff. I'll disagree there. Um, I do think that Lincoln Riley is going to turn them into a powerhouse again. Um, it's I just don't buy that it's going to happen this season. Who knows, though? Um, especially, you know, they add Jordan Addison who won the Blitnikoff last year. If that actually happens, and they have Caleb Williams, and they have all these... I It's possible. I don't think the defense is quite there yet is kind of what I come back to. Um, it might be. I, I could be wrong, but it just seems like there's still a step away there. They just have the transition stuff on the offensive side. And actually, let me look up what USC's schedule is. Because I my big concern, I, I guess there's two. One is that they drop some games in the Pac-12 play that they shouldn't, like they always do. But then the other is, could they blow one early? But if you look, I mean, that non-conference schedule, they've got Rice September 3rd. They got Fresno State September 17th, and then their third non-conference game is Notre Dame, but that's their last game of the season. So the newness stuff doesn't have that. So it is possible. But you look through, it's like they'll beat Rice. Next week they play Stanford. Even that, even that gives me pause. But yeah, they'll beat Stanford. Fresno, they'll beat Fresno. Oregon State, they'll beat Oregon State. Arizona State, they'll beat Arizona State. Washington State, see... Yeah, you should beat them too. Utah, Utah might be the kryptonite. I don't know that they'll win that one. They'll beat Arizona though. Cal, they'll beat them. Colorado, but then like UCLA, 
that's one where you could see UCLA just putting up 50, 40, uh, enough to beat USC in a shootout. Notre Dame at the end of the year. I don't know. That that schedule's a little bit easier than I would have guessed. Um, you know, missing Oregon is big. But I guess you will probably play Oregon um, if things go well in that Pac-12 championship game. And if you do wind up blowing one of the others, then do you really get in? It'll help having Lincoln Riley, though. If they're on the bubble, I think they get in. Um, but yeah, I just can't say they're going to the college football playoff. Uh, Utah. This is the best Utes team since 2008. And, again, it goes through 2008. They were 13-0, and beat number four Bama in the Sugar Bowl, finished number two in the country. Uh, no, I no, no. That's not that's not true. They've they've had some good teams recently, and I don't think this is. I think they probably lose two or three games in there somewhere. Um, I, I don't know the non-conference schedule, but my guess would be like they lose one in non-conference, they lose two in conference, um, and then that winds up like maybe the tiebreaker does wind up being USC, uh, like who wins that game. But go undefeated. I just I I can't bet on that. Um, that's gonna do it. That's it for today. We're done. We're out of here. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. I don't know what we're talking about, but I'm sure that there's something worth talking about, and I'll figure that out between now and then. I appreciate you all for listening. If you want to throw five stars wherever you're listening to this, appreciate that. Comments help too. Um, we'll see you soon. <laughs>